Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Common Room Talk. My name's Tony, and I'm your host. Now, last week, we had to skip, and I am so sorry. I actually had COVID. Started getting sick last week, the beginning of the week, and it just slowly progressed. Went and took a test, turned out positive, and there I was. So... Not fun. I will tell you the absolute worst part, and in all honesty, the only reason that I ended up not doing an episode last week is the COVID brain. I've heard a lot about it, didn't know how real it was. Now I know that it is absolutely real. It was so hard to put together a sentence. It was so hard to just put any thoughts together. I knew what I wanted to say in my mind. And I could not get it to come out of my mouth. It just wouldn't happen. And it was so infuriating. I remember while I was working, I work from home, by the way, so don't freak out. While I was working in a Zoom call, I I looked at my boss and I said, I'm so frustrated because I want to say this and I'm trying to make it make sense. And it's not happening because I know what I want to say and I'm not saying it. And so, yes, that was extremely frustrating. No idea why it happens, but it happened. 100% COVID brain. It was the worst. The other thing that is super frustrating about it is somehow my wife managed to completely avoid getting COVID. She didn't get sick at all. I had to be the one to suffer the entire time, and she just got off the hook completely. So that was really stinky. It was nice being able to be off work, though, for a few days, even though that I do work from home. I still was able to take a few days to just kind of rest, relax, and just enjoy being off. Now, being sick did open up the opportunity to finish watching the rest of the Harry Potter reunion, and I have to say, I really did enjoy it. It ended up being much better than I was expecting it to be. There was a lot of really cool just behind-the-scenes information that was being shared by some of the cast and crew and some really cool memories that were talked about from being on set. It was kind of sad to see that there was a point in time where Emma Watson did kind of want to walk away from being in the movies any longer, and you kind of saw it also being reflected with Rupert as well as he said like everybody was there at that point every now and then we kind of had those thoughts of like are we going to finish this out is this going to be us but you just ultimately work through it anyways and while I can say I did not cry which is very unusual for me I'm a movie crier it happens I did not cry at this the one part that almost really got me without any spoilers I'm not going to say anything about it but something that Robbie Coltrane, the actor who plays Hagrid, said, really got to me. And the reason I don't want to spoil it is because I know that there are a lot of people who probably haven't had an opportunity to see it yet that are still waiting to see it. So I don't want to ruin any of it. But there was uh, that part by Robbie Coltrane that really got to me. If you heard that floppy noise in the back, it was our dog. And I was actually told just a little bit earlier today by my barber, of all people, who said every time you say in the episodes, hey, that was my dog, if you heard that, I never hear anything. So if you guys don't actually hear anything, I promise you I'm not crazy. There is a dog here. It does make a lot of noise. I guess for some reason or another, as I'm listening back 
during editing in the playback, the headset that I'm using is really sensitive. And so I can hear absolutely every little noise that happens. But back to that show, the reunion, it was amazing. I definitely recommend going to see it. If you don't have the opportunity to do it at home, go somewhere to see it. It is really good. And I wish that they could have had a little bit more of JK Rowling in there. I understand there's still a lot of stuff in and around that whole situation, not getting into it. But it was nice that they did have some previously recorded stuff from her. I've also been trying to upgrade a little bit of the equipment that we are using here for Common Room Talk. And that means different microphones and some soundproofing stuff. And if you hear just differences at all in the next few episodes, probably just me trying to try new things, do different things. Remember, all of this is new to me, so I am learning as I go. So it could end up sounding really good or really bad. We will find out. Now, last week, we ended the Forbidden Forest chapter. When we ended that chapter, it was with Harry, Ron, and Hermione in the common room talking about the events that had just taken place in the forest with Ferenzi the centaur, the unicorn, and whatever the cloaked hooded creature was that was standing over the unicorn. As Ferenzi and Harry were working through it together, Harry eventually comes to the conclusion that it was Voldemort who was under that cloak. And so Ron, obviously, who wasn't there with them, had to be filled in about everything that had happened. And so we saw that conversation of those three in the common room talking about all of that, with the end of it being about Hermione saying that it was Dumbledore who was ever the only one who could frighten Voldemort. And as they had stopped talking, the sun started to come up, daylight was getting ready to start, and we went through all of that fun stuff about how the best way to teach them a lesson about being out of bed all night or in the night is keeping them up in detention at night or all night. And then as Harry went to go pull back his sheets to crawl into bed to go to sleep, he found his invisibility cloak folded neatly underneath them with a note that said, just in case. So today we're going to be starting chapter 16 through the trap door. And in all honesty, this episode, or rather this chapter, is most likely going to be broken up into two or even three parts. This is the longest chapter in the entire book. And there's just so much to get into. We are entering the climax of the first story. We are getting to the end of this one. We are taking everything that we have learned thus far in this entire book, and we're going to be wrapping it all up in these next two chapters. And it is crazy to think that we have come this far. We are at the end of this book, two chapters left. That will leave us with probably three to five episodes left for this book alone. And that is just so crazy to me. I can't believe that we have made it this far. And so just a heads up to you guys, really, you're going to want to pay attention pretty thoroughly in this. If you guys are keeping up with me in the series, I know that the listener who emailed us last two weeks ago for the last episode or the episode before that, Emily, she said that she is following along with us through the episodes, going through the chapter first and then listening to the episode 
And if that's what you guys are doing, there's a whole lot to unpack in all of these. And I really want to hear all of your guys' thoughts. And I don't know why I just said thoughts like that. It was almost like a British accent. I don't know. I, I really want to hear your guys' thoughts, though, inside of the next few chapters on anything and everything that we're going to try and point out. And so the other thing to point out is this, is there are a lot of differences now from the movies to the books. And I will do my best to try and point out as many of them as I possibly can. But there are a lot here in the last few chapters. So without further ado, we will go ahead and get started. Chapter 16, Through the Trap Door. And immediately the chapter starts out with something that I actually dislike so much about just any story in general. When they start out with any part of the book before the climax, or if you know that there's going to be multiple books in a series, when they say something like this, in the years to come, Harry would never quite remember how he managed to get through his exams when he half expected Voldemort to come bursting through the door at any moment. So when you have a sentence like that, that puts a time perspective of years into the story from here, because at this point, before the sentence, we have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow in this series. We have no idea what is going to happen by the end of this book. And the progress of the story so far has been in the course of one school year. And so it's hard to imagine that in the last two chapters of this book, we're going to be moving beyond years. And so to me, this is kind of like a spoiler. It tells you that everything is going to be okay, at least by the end of this book. And when you're using the word years, thinking multiple years at that point, you start thinking about how there are also multiple years at Hogwarts. And so we're given a period of time here in one sentence that seems like it might be small and trivial, but really it's telling you that nothing happens to Harry, at least for a few years. So it almost makes the end of this book, while you still want to know what happens, it almost makes it less intense. And maybe takes away from the mystery of it a little bit because you know that it's going to be okay if he's around to remember or at least not quite remember how he managed to get through the exams and everything here. So with that, though, we do see that they have moved into taking exams. And while taking the exams, Harry's still worrying, obviously, about Voldemort coming bursting through the doors at any moment. I think this is also a little bit of a irrational fear that we see because Hermione has already talked to them about the fact that as long as Dumbledore is around, Voldemort probably is not going to come bursting through any doors. Also, I apologize in between my time with recording, uh, which if you guys didn't know, surprise, I don't sit down in one sitting and do all of my recording. I uh, break it up into smaller sessions to make it easier throughout the week to get all of this done since I am doing it all alone. And I woke up this morning, that whining is Theodore, I woke up this morning uh, still very congested, still dealing a lot with the COVID aftermath, uh, no longer like COVID sick, but just kind of uh, getting all of the gross stuff out now, which means I also sound very congested. And so I apologize if I do sound pretty gross on here trying to talk. But at the end of this first paragraph, we see that it says Fluffy is still alive and well behind the locked door. So 
somehow, some way, they are going up to this door and checking to see if Fluffy is still there, still alive, still doing whatever Fluffy is doing behind that door, as long as it's still there guarding the trap door. They were checking it somehow, some way. And then we get a good look into some of the exams and what was required of them as first years in their exams. We see that there was a written part where there was some anti-cheating quills that were giving to them. And it's our first look into like ordinary things that probably wouldn't actually be ordinary to us as we wouldn't use a feather quill and ink well to write. We would use an ink pen. But the things that would be very commonplace for them for their writing utensils, essentially, are also things that would be used to try and cheat they would have different spells put onto them. And we do see later on in the series different types of quills that are out there. And it's just fun to see how even ordinary objects are being used and changed and manipulated to be magical and be different from the way that we would think about using them. And do you know how cool it would have been as a kid to have like a cheating pen that would write out the correct answers for you, even if you wrote something different? So something like that would be really cool. And we do see, due to a quill malfunctioning later in the series, some very funny outcomes due to that spell or enchantment starting to fade away on the quill. Hint, hint, Runil Waslib. Then we get to see some of the practical exams. And the thing that I was trying to work through at first is what this meant when it said that Professor Flitwick had them see if they could make a pineapple tap dance across a desk. And I just said across. as I put a T in across, and I have no idea why. But he wants to see if they can make a pineapple tap dance across a desk. And I'm trying to figure out, or I was thinking and trying to figure out, which with COVID brain is extremely difficult to do and should never be attempted alone or without supervision. However, I have concluded, and I think that what this probably most likely is, is maybe a controlled form of Wingardium Leviosa, trying to make sure that they have an aptitude with the hovering, levitating, floating charm, whatever charm you want to call it. I'm going to make sure that maybe there's some sort of aptitude with it, that it isn't just mindless floating, that you are actually able to control it, maybe move it, bob it up and down, move it back and forth. You have control over whatever the object is that you are levitating. Then Professor McGonagall has them turning a mouse into a snuff box. And I have to be honest with you, I had no idea what it meant by a snuff box because the first thing that my mind went to was chewing tobacco. Because here in the U.S., another term for chewing tobacco is snuff. And so I was sitting here thinking that maybe this was a box that instead of people who do use chewing tobacco, instead of just spitting it out, spitting it into a bottle or spitting it into whatever receptacle they desire to spit it into, which is equally gross to me, Maybe they just had a box that they were just spitting it in, or it was a box that they just kept it in, and then they would take some out of it and then then close that box. However, I found out I was way off, as a snuff box apparently is just a decorative box, kind of like one you would see under a Christmas tree maybe. It was used for gifting or sometimes just for artistic purposes or just being decorative. And I was way off on what I thought a snuff box was. But they had to turn a mouse 
into a snuff box. And there were points that were being taken off if there were still fur or if it had whiskers. And then they had to do Snape's where they had to create a forgetfulness potion. Now, the point of a forgetfulness potion, according to Harry Potter Wiki, was it was a potion which caused an unknown degree of memory loss in the drinker. And so, when it says unknown degree of memory loss, we don't know if it is then probably permanent, temporary, if it is a controlled time in which it is based off the amount of potion that you drink also if it is able to be directed at a specific memory or if it just totally causes complete amnesia for a period of time there's a lot of unknown variables about this but it also makes me wonder if maybe this potion is a way in which something that we see later on in the series could have been forgotten. We meet a person named Professor Slughorn. And to those of you who have made it through the series and know why Slughorn is significant to our entire story, you very well know that there is something in regards to memory that is dealt with with Professor Slughorn. And so instead of what happens in the original story, I wonder if at any point in time this could have been attempted, such as using it to briefly forget something or to try and hide something in a memory. I don't know what the areas of usefulness are with the forgetfulness potion, but we do know that it is a first-year exam requirement but it does seem very interesting that it is something that is like this, a forgetfulness potion. It must be somewhat harmless if they're having first years make it. And one of the things that I sit here and think about in regards to the way that we see these classes really supervised later on in the series as we get a little bit of a deeper look into the classrooms and the classroom settings is how did they keep students from just trying their own potion? Now, I know that if any dangerous situation had happened, Snape was more than adequately able to come up with a solution for fixing that issue. But it just makes me wonder if there was ever a time in which students did just try their potions at the lack of supervision from their teachers. However, Harry is going through his exams and the whole time he's dealing with this stabbing pain in his forehead. His scar is hurting, and he doesn't really understand why yet. But he knows that he's been having nightmares. He hasn't been able to sleep because of the night nightmares. He's been having this same old nightmare, except now there's a hooded figure with silver blood dripping from it in his nightmares. And he just is really unsure exactly of what's going on. And whether it was due to trying to study for the exams or whatever, Ron and Hermione didn't seem to be entirely worried about the situation or about the stone as much as Harry was. Then we get a glimpse of their final exam, which was History of Magic, and we see that they were answering questions about batty old wizards who invented self-stirring cauldrons, and that in itself is just a whole lot of fun to try and figure out and talk about these self-steering cauldrons, if they're magical, or if they are anything like we see with our self-steering mugs. Obviously all mechanical, 
but there's still some component to it. Now, in the first movie, one of the first glimpses of the Leaky Cauldron that we saw, there was a wizard who was magically stirring his drink by holding his hand over his drink and spinning his finger around, and that in turn was causing his spoon to spin. And there was still an aspect of magic to it, yes, but there was also still a mechanical aspect in the sense of he was using his spoon magically to still stir his drink. All of that completely way off topic in regards to the story here, but when it comes to the self-stirring cauldrons, it makes me wonder if it was the liquid inside of the cauldron that was magically spinning or if there was something inside of the cauldron that was being magically spun to then move the liquid itself around. Again, completely irrelevant to what is going on in the story except for the fact that it mentioned self-stirring cauldrons. However, at the end of that exam, despite any fear or reservations or what have you about what was going to happen potentially with the stone or with Voldemort, with Snape, with Quirrell, they were all excited. They all cheered. Their exams were over. So after the exam, we see a scene now where students are sitting out by the lake. They're enjoying the afternoon warmth in the sun. We see that the Weasley twins and Lee Jordan were actually tickling the tentacles of a giant squid that was basking in the shallows of the lake trying to get warm. And I think that there should have been a lot more squid interaction throughout the entire series. I know we see it from time to time. It's mentioned here and there. And I can say this without there really being a spoiler unless you consider the lack of information being a spoiler. But there's not a, a lot of squid talk that happens. And I think that there should have been a lot more, particularly during one event in the Goblet of Fire, which you guys know what I'm talking about. There should have definitely been more of a giant squid involvement there. But we see that it does allow students to interact with it, and it seems tickle it, which is really interesting to me to see that this large creature like this would be as big as it is. And the other thing that's really frustrating is Hagrid's lack of maybe enthusiasm or care or what have you about this giant squid. We don't ever really see him at all that I can think of interact or even talk about the giant squid and yet loves creatures as much as he does. So they're sitting here enjoying the day and Ron looks over at Harry and says, you could look more cheerful, Harry. We've got a, a week before we find how badly we've done. There's no need to worry yet. But Harry's sitting here rubbing his scar on his forehead and he says, I wish I knew what it means. My scar keeps hurting. It's happened before, but never as often as this. To which Hermione tells him to go to the hospital. We can go check out with Madame Pomfrey, see what's going on. Harry says, I'm not ill, but I think it's a warning. It means danger's coming. Now, in the movie, we see that this part starts with them walking out of the school, presumably after their final exam, and Hermione's talking about how easy the exams were. Ron says, speak for yourself, and Harry is rubbing his scar. We also hear some faint flute music being played, and if you listen carefully, it's actually the Harry Potter theme song that is being played in the background by Hagrid. And as Harry's talking about his scar, he's then also talking about 
what is going on with Hagrid and the dragon and trying to connect some events together. And one of the things that I wanted to point out actually was how much the Hogwarts ground changes from the first year to the third year in the movies. Now, I know that as the books progressed and we got a little bit more detail about the school and the grounds and Hagrid's hut, the movies also adjusted with it. But you don't see that big of a change in the books versus what you see in the movies, where it seems as if Hagrid's hut was just a stone's throw away from the castle in the first one. By the time you get to the second and definitely the third one, his hut is now away from the castle, down a hill, down a huge flight of steps, past some stone pillars, and then right up against the edge of the garden. And it becomes just really far away and there's a lot of changes which i think is really it's cool but also not cool at the same time i want to see the same things over and over when it comes to that i enjoy continuity in movies and stories where there's a series of things that's my own personal taste but i do also like seeing the change in regards to maybe being a little more book accurate so despite ron and hermione's attempts to calm harry about what's going on with his scar he still is feeling as if he's forgotten something really important to do, something that he needed to do. And Hermione's just trying to tell him it was the exams. And it wasn't that. He just had this unsettled feeling that didn't have anything to do with work at all or with the school or with exams. And he just can't figure out what is going on. But he watches an owl come up towards the school and he's thinking about... Hagrid, and how Hagrid would never betray Dumbledore. Hagrid would never tell anyone how to get past Fluffy. Never. But, and then Harry suddenly jumps to his feet. Ron then says, where are you going? And Harry said, I've just thought of something. And he had gone sheet white. He's white as a ghost. We've got to go and see Hagrid now. Hermione says, why? And she's panting, hurrying, trying to keep up with him. And Harry says, don't you think it's a bit odd that what Hagrid wants more than anything else in the world is a dragon, and a stranger just happens to turn up who has an egg in his pocket? How many people wander around with a dragon egg if it's against the wizard law? Lucky they found Hagrid, don't you think? Why didn't I see this before? Which is very much what we pretty much see Harry saying in the movie as well as he's putting all of this together which to me in the movie always seemed a bit of a stretch, like how he is coming to this realization now just by looking over at Hagrid as he's playing his flute. Now, this next little bit is important, so I'm going to go through quite a bit of this conversation. As they approach Hagrid's hut, he greets them, asks them about their exams, asks them if they have time for a drink. Ron says yes, Harry says no, cuts him off, says we're in a hurry, we need to ask you something. You know the night that you won Norbert, what did the stranger you were playing cards with look like? Hagrid says, don't know, he wouldn't take off his cloak. He sees that they all look stunned, with their eyebrows raised up, looking suspicious. And Hagrid then continues saying, it's not that unusual, you get a lot of funny folk at the hog's head. That's one of the pubs down in the village. Might have been a dragon dealer, mightn't he? I never saw his face, he kept his hood up and so we then see harry sink down next to a bowl of peas whether it means sitting or crouched down 
maybe in a position to help him better think, as is something that I do personally. Uh, if I'm trying to think, I will crouch, kneel, sit for better thinking posture. It is important. Don't judge me. And he asks, what did you talk to him about, Hagrid? Did you mention Hogwarts at all? And Hagrid, frowning, says it might have come up. Yeah, he asked what I did, and I told him I was the gameskeeper here. He asked a bit about the sort of creatures I looked after, so I told him. And I said what I had always really wanted was a dragon, and then I can't remember too well because he kept buying me drinks. Let's see. Yeah, then he said he had the dragon egg, and we could play cards for it if I wanted. But he had to be sure I could handle it. He didn't want to, to just go to any old home. So I told him, after Fluffy, a dragon would be easy. Harry then asks, did he seem interested in Fluffy? And he's trying to keep his voice calm. He's not trying to lead on that he is purposely questioning Hagrid about these things. Hagrid then replies with, well, yeah, how many three-headed dogs do you meet, even around Hogwarts? So I told him, Fluffy's a piece of cake if you know how to calm him down. Just play him a bit of music, and he'll go straight off to sleep. And then Hagrid just stopped in his tracks because he did what Hagrid is known for in the first movie, which seems to be the only time that he seems to be like this, except for potentially one other time in regards to a situation where we get to see Harry being taken away from somewhere under escort with other people who are very then similar to Harry without giving too much information. But we do know that there was potentially a slip up from Hagrid in re in very much the same way as this. That was a really hard one to talk about without giving too many spoilers, so I apologize if there are spoilers in that, but I promise you by the time you get to that point in the story, you would have totally forgot about even probably listening to this episode. But it does seem as if this is the only book and or movie in which we see this much of a blunder from Hagrid. He looks horrified with himself and says, I shouldn't have told you that. Forget I said it. Hey, where are you going? Because they just got up, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and they start running back towards the school, towards the entrance hall. And now, after all of that, the, the ground seemed very cold and gloomy. And they're racing to get in there, and they're saying to each other, we need to, we need to go see Dumbledore. Hagrid told that stranger how to get past Fluffy, and it was either Snape or Voldemort under that cloak. It must have been easy once he had got Hagrid drunk. I just hope Dumbledore believes us. Forenzi might back us up if Bane doesn't stop him. Where is Dumbledore's office? So they immediately run into this problem. They have no idea where Dumbledore's office is. They have never been told. It says here where he lives. Obviously, they're staying in the castle. We do know that the teachers do actually live there at the castle. We see this instance in one of the later books, again, trying to be as vague as possible, where we see that Dumbledore talks about he is the only one still with permission to take away people from being able to actually stay at the school. And again, I know that's very vague. I'm trying to keep it as vague as possible so it doesn't spoil anything. But we do know in that instance, the, the teacher in regards to this entire situation has their bags packed and they're ready to go. And it was all of their belongings. So we do know that teachers actually live at the school, but they've never been told where Dumbledore lived, where his office is, 
And while they're all standing around trying to figure out what to do, Harry starts a sentence, we'll just have to, but then he's cut off by another voice that says, what are you three doing inside? And it was Professor McGonagall who was carrying a large pile of books in her arms. Hermione immediately speaks up and says, we want to see Professor Dumbledore. And Professor McGonagall asks, see Professor Dumbledore? Why? And so Harry's nervous now. He, he swallows and he says, it's sort of secret. And then he immediately wishes that he hadn't done that because of the reaction from Professor McGonagall. We know that she is a very serious, very stern woman, and she has zero time for games or secrets. She replies to Harry and says, well, Professor Dumbledore left 10 minutes ago. He's received an urgent owl from the Ministry of Magic and flew off for London at once. And very frantically, Harry replies, he's gone now. And this is almost word for word what we see going on in the movie. Professor McGonagall then says, Professor Dumbledore is a very great wizard, Potter. He has many demands on his time. Harry says, but this is important. She says, something you have is more important than the Ministry of Magic, Potter. And Harry says, look, and he just throws all caution to the winds. He said, Professor, it's about the Sorcerer's Stone. So Professor McGonagall is completely taken by surprise. This is one of the few times that we see that she is completely caught off guard the other time that is really this notable is in the very last book in a certain place where they are looking for a certain thing and harry comes out from under his invisibility cloak that moment is probably one of my favorite moments in the entire series those of you who've been through the series you know what i'm talking about it is an amazing moment but what i'm getting at is she is rarely caught off guard like this so much so she drops her books they all come tumbling out of her arms and she didn't even bother to pick them up. And instead, she sits here and splutters out, how do you know? And Harry cuts her off immediately. Professor, I think I know that... Sn and he, he stops. He cuts himself off. He was about to say Snape, but he thinks better of it for some reason. And says, I know that someone's going to try and steal the stone. I've got to talk to Professor Dumbledore. And so she doesn't answer him immediately. She's looking at him with shock and suspicion but then tells him that Professor Dumbledore will be back tomorrow. I don't know how you found out about the stone, but rest assured, no one could possibly steal it. It's too well protected. And Harry tries to say something else. He says, but Professor, and she says, no, Potter, I know what I'm talking about. I suggest you all go back outside and enjoy the sunshine. And I imagine at that point, she gave them either a dismissive look or pointed or whatever, because it says that they didn't do that. They, however, went off somewhere to ensure that Professor McGonagall was no longer in earshot. And once they realized that she was no longer there, Harry turns and says, it's tonight. Snape's going through the trap door tonight. He's found out everything he needs, and now he's got Dumbledore out of the way. He sent that note. I bet the Ministry of Magic will get a real shock when Dumbledore turns up. Harry goes to start another sentence. He says, but what can we? And then Hermione gasps. Harry and Ron wheels around. Snape was standing there. And he says, good afternoon. You shouldn't be inside on a day like this. He's standing there with this nasty, ugly sneer on his face. Harry begins to say, we were, but he has no idea what he was going to say. Snape cuts him off and says, 
You want to be more careful. Hanging around like this, people will think you're up to something, and Gryffindor really can't afford to lose any more points, can they? Harry flushed. All three of them turn to walk away from Snape, but he calls them back and says, Be warned, Potter. Any more nighttime wanderings, and I will personally make sure you are expelled. Good day to you. And then he strode off in the direction of the staff room. Now, as for the story in the book, we're going to call it there. Not the end of the episode just yet, but we're going to stop here in the chapter because there's a few things we want to go over and talk about. One, I don't even know if their suspicions as being like Snape being the person who would have sent an owl to Dumbledore to get him off to the Ministry of Magic. I think it was very common for Dumbledore to receive owls. And I think he probably did regularly leave the school to go attend to certain business. And so this probably wasn't an uncommon thing. So I don't know if the Ministry of Magic would have really received a shock when Dumbledore shows up. He's probably in and out of the ministry so much that it's very commonplace to just see him there. And so I understand that that probably would have been not known by Harry, Ron, and Hermione. They probably don't, outside of Ron, who has his father doing the things there that he does, which hasn't really been established yet. We know that they probably don't have a great idea of the inner workings of the Ministry of Magic. And so it's no surprise that they would come up with some sort of assumption like that. However, the thing that I want to address is this, is Dumbledore going to the Ministry the way that he does. It says that he flew off for London and won't be back until tomorrow. It makes me think that there's probably more going on than just going to the Ministry of Magic because we know the ways in which Dumbledore can travel to one place and how quickly he can do it. It also would not surprise me if he decided to forego one of those other means of transport and just decide to fly via broomstick there. That is something that I would absolutely see Dumbledore doing just to enjoy his time. He is that kind of person that would kind of slow down and enjoy the ride there and take his time and just go about business the way that Dumbledore would go about business. To people who would say, I can't believe that Dumbledore would just kind of go and leave things unprotected or maybe be clueless as to just leave. We do know that based on a few things throughout this book so far, that Dumbledore is very aware of everything that is going on in this school. We also know that based on a situation where Harry and Dumbledore together go do something away from the castle, there is a sentence that is said between the two about, do you really think that I would leave my school unprotected when I leave? We know that Dumbledore takes the safety of his students very severely. It is one of the uttermost importances to him. And so I don't believe that he would ever have actually left the school unprotected. We do see, based on later conversations, that, and I, I got to be very careful here because these are very soon upcoming conversations, we do know that Dumbledore is very aware of things 
going on inside the school and outside the school. And we'll talk about this a little bit later once we actually get through this conversation that happens later. We know that Dumbledore is very aware of things going on inside the school and outside the school. He knows what it means when he leaves. He also knows that his students are going to be safe. And he also knows, I think, vaguely, I don't want to say completely, because he would have to be a very, very good fortune teller in order to do this. But I think he's very much aware of what might be possibly happening in the near future. He knows so much about the inside and outside of Hogwarts, primarily what's going on inside of Hogwarts. And I think that he is really, I don't want to say carefree because he's not carefree, but he's not worried. He's sure that everything that is going to happen will happen in the way that he thinks they are going to happen. And so he's not worried about it. He's not worried about the stone. He's not worried about his teachers. He's not worried about the students at this time and not in a carefree kind of dangerous way, but in a sense of knowing that everything is being taken care of. So I don't think that he has left the school unprotected. I don't think he is left out of ignorance. I don't think that he has been duped either. I don't think that this has been some kind of trick or ploy to get him to actually leave. The thing about being back tomorrow is the thing that really makes me think about that because we do know that regardless of any situation, Dumbledore could be back at his school instantaneously if needed. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was in the movie when they are confronted by Snape standing outside of the staff room. They are just rejected by Professor McGonagall and they are talking about going through the trap door and trying to stop Snape from getting the stone and Snape walks up behind them and he says the people might think you are up to something and Harry gives him just the dirtiest glare Ever. And it's one of my favorite parts in the first movie, even though that part's technically not in the book. It's one of the times that I absolutely love the sass from Harry. It's wonderful to me. It's so great. It's so funny. And Snape is completely taken aback by it. He kind of like gives him the affronted look. I can't believe you're looking at me this way look. And then finishes his speech and turns and strolls away. And so that is where we are going to end today's episode. I am expecting to possibly be able to get two more episodes out of this chapter. There's still a lot to go through. There's a lot of details coming. There's a lot of action coming. There's just a lot to talk about in the next few pages. And so there'll probably be two more episodes in this chapter. We'll find out next week depending on what happens. Or maybe we'll just do one really long episode. I know we have a few listeners, you know who you are. They would enjoy the episodes to be much longer than what they are. Unfortunately, it is hard to keep up with that kind of capacity, and there's just not enough stuff to talk about in these chapters. It wouldn't be hard to do longer episodes in the later books where we have longer chapters and there's more details to talk about and unpack in those chapters, and I fully expect episodes then to definitely be longer. But in these chapters, there's just not a whole lot of detail, except for this chapter through the trap door, because this is the longest chapter of the book. There's a lot of stuff in this one to talk about, which is why it's going to be broken up into a few different episodes. But we'll see what next week brings. We'll either break it up into two more episodes, or we'll make one long episode. 
Now, if you guys are still enjoying listening to me babble on about Harry Potter, whether I'm healthy, whether I'm sick, whether I sound like I have a hundred boogers up in my nose, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I hope you guys are getting a laugh out of it. I hope you guys are able to enjoy me mumbling over words and just really getting to enjoy the story being told in a different way. Not that I'm telling the story, but pointing out different things to think about, comparing them to the movies, and maybe getting a larger, grander view of the entire situation in the moments that are happening in the story. And this is really going to just keep growing. When we get into the longer books, the ones that have much more detail in them, the ones that I really enjoy, which, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy the first two to three. Yes, they're good. I enjoy the longer ones. I enjoy the ones with much deeper detail. In fact, some of my favorite sequences in the entire series isn't all of the action. It isn't the fighting. It's a lot of the backstory that we get to have from Dumbledore as he's telling about the history of things. And I don't know. I just really enjoy those parts. But yes, if you guys are enjoying it, please like it. Please share it, it being the show, the episode, the podcast, whatever you want to call it. Leave us a comment on any of the platforms in which you can leave us a comment. Email me, commonroomtalk at gmail.com. If there's anything that you want to ask, anything you want to tell me, anything you want to talk about, anything that I misspoke on, please correct me. Talk to me if you want it in the episode. Let me know, and we'll talk about your email live on an episode. And if there's talking points, we'll have a back and forth. Somehow, whether it's bringing you onto the show and talking to you or talking via email, we will talk about it live on an episode. So please, please like it, share it, tell people about it, and just continue listening. And thank you guys so much for listening. So with all that said, my name's Tony, I'm your host, and this is Common Room Talk.